what is up everybody uh, welcome back to the drunk turkey show there's a um, a new podcast that was out on fox nation news or something like that in fact i um caught the tail end of a podcast two days ago or yesterday i can't remember when it was uh from i believe it's jay for justice podcast and she was having uh, she was discussing part of that podcast on on her channel and i wasn't aware of it and so i went out and paid the subscription and actually i didn't i got a veterans uh, deal so i got it for free but um, <laughs> i got a year free it's pretty cool if you're a veteran go check it out uh, and if you're not you know they got some pretty good stuff out there but um anywho i digress we're gonna be looking into this podcast and listening in and kind of giving our thoughts there's some new information I kind of cut out some of the more important parts. Um, if you want to catch the full podcast, I'd recommend just going out to uh, Fox and, and check it out there. Let's watch this. And first and foremost, this is a friend of Brian Coburn's who attended high school with him and then was his friend uh, again during some of the low points in Coburger's life. So my first impression of Brian is he's just a pretty normal kid, you know? He was more of a quiet, funny guy, but not really quiet, just more of a the calm guy. Jack Bayless meets Brian Coburger in middle school. And he was very curious. That's probably one of the, the bigger traits I remember from Brian. What if um, reality is just a dream kind of stuff, you know? Just real profound kind of stuff, I guess. Bayless and Coburger's friendship looks like any other. Two teens being teens in rural Pennsylvania. So he said something there that, you know, what if we lived in the Matrix type stuff? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that that's anything odd. You know what I mean? Me, us here, we've had that conversation amongst us. I get why they added on there. I guess maybe out of touch with reality, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think that's too. But uh, I did want to say something about it. Let's continue. We just hang around in the woods and do preteen, teenage things. You know, flipping rocks, looking for snakes, and hanging out and playing video games. Being at his house, it looked relatively cozy. It looked like a normal house. We had normal parents. If something was there that was off, I would have remembered it. A normal home, normal parents, normal friends. By all accounts, from the outside looking in, everything is just that, normal. Except for a medical condition that takes center stage in Koberger's life from a very young age. I know he also struggled with visual snow. The condition makes him see static like an old TV set. He starts writing about it in an online forum when he's 15. So first he says that he knew about his friend <clears throat> being on visual snow, right? Uh, uh, I guess that means that Brian Koberger was open about it, maybe discussed with him some of the symptoms he was having. What do you guys think? I'll start off with you, Jaime. The visual snow, I know. I think we talked about it a while back, right? That it, I don't know if it progresses throughout the, you know, with time. I don't know if it gets better or gets worse. I'm not really sure. I'm not really knowledgeable about that. You're right. You're correct. There's no way of telling. And I think that there's not a lot of information out there on visual snow. I know that when it was first reported that he had visual snow, a lot of folks looked into it. And, and you know, some people speculated if it was even real, things of that nature. He was apparently, in my opinion, he was doing the whole veganism and or being a vegan and, and that that stuff because of the symptoms that were with the visual snow that he would alleviate some of those symptoms the fact that he would continue that diet to this day you know and this is from i don't know from when he was in high school so he's 28 so about for 10 years you know that that tells me that he's probably uh, still suffering from the symptoms and given the fact that he doesn't want anything that he's going to eat cooked on pans that had meat on it before I mean, I don't know. I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but that kind of tells me that maybe it's gotten worse. But I don't know. I don't know. He, he we don't know where he started. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, like if this dieting or this, um, you know, being vegan or whatnot is helping the the visual snow, then it has the both two benefits, right? The getting the visual snow less and also his weight, right? Because he was a little bit overweight at, the, at one point. Right. Yeah, he was overweight. And he ended up losing like 130 pounds. In fact, uh, Nancy Grace goes into it into the podcast. This is from a report that just came out probably about five days ago. Says, There's no test for visual snow syndrome. It's diagnosed based on symptoms, history, and ruling out their causes. It is treated with thin glasses, adaptive strategies, and sometimes medication. This is all a new treatment because a while back they were saying there was no treatment for it. Right. It's interesting. I, I, I don't know. I, I know somebody who says that they used to have 
uh, visual snow and I don't know they they don't have it anymore so I don't know maybe it does go away you know what I'm saying um but I think it's, that they say it's like a form of headaches they're kind of linking it to a little bit of migraines but they're more like a headache they were saying so when when I talked to this person that had visual snow they told me that it was uh, a symptom of when they would read and as they were reading visual snow would come across but it was never about headaches or any of those things and that was the only time that it affected them Thank you for that, Blue. Here, this says from the New York Times that Idaho murder suspect felt no emotion and little remorse as a teen. Uh, this is from an article in January of 13, 2023. You know, it's kind of disassociation, um, de- depersonalization, in my opinion, uh, type of, you know, things that are going on here with him where he's not f- having emotions. I'll ask you this. Do you think that a person could go in and commit a crime that like similar that was committed? By somebody who had emotion? Yeah, I think without showing any remorse, it would have to be somebody who feels like they have no feelings or no, I guess no... Uh... Right, but but don't you think that the a person that is capable of committing a crime like this would more, more than likely or more likely be a person that would have these types of symptoms versus somebody who would have reason or feelings and emotions? What do you yeah. think? Yeah, they would more likely be able to cause something like this because they would have no feelings um, or remorse after they did it. Yeah, I they'd agree. Able, I agree. They'll be able to go to their class the next day. They'll be able to go to their doctor's appointments. Somebody who had has like a, I would say gut feeling they did something wrong. They'd be like getting anxious, panicking, and from what we hear, he went back. To, if it is him, of course, it's speculation. He went back like the next day, like everything was normal. Nothing changed. Well, according to a couple of podcasts, he he didn't go back to work the um that that Monday. He he was out that Monday, but he went the following day. Yeah, there you go. I got to put this out there. So uh, let's continue this. Years old. The New York Times and true crime podcasters uncover these posts. In one, he says he's depressed, even suicidal. I can't remember anything recent or anything from childhood. I'm just a blank soul living in the now. This whole thing has made me crazy. I feel like my life is pointless because people can think about times with parents' childhood memories and be happy. And I won't be able to. Koberger, the youngest in a family of five, grows up in a quiet town surrounded by the Pocono Mountains with older sisters, Melissa and Amanda, mother, Marianne, dad, Michael. They were very involved parents. It seemed like he had a very supportive home environment, and the parents were always there if needed. Donna Yozwiak, Koberger's former guidance counselor at Pleasant Valley High. Dad worked as a um, mechanic. Mom was a paraprofessional. Very nice people. I met with them very frequently uh, to discuss his career path. So this is a counselor from his high school that had nothing but good praises for Brian Koberger uh, and, and continues to think, you know, speaks speaks positive about Koberger. Never says that she thinks he's innocent or guilty. She's obviously Friends with her, with Koberger's family. She'll discuss, you know, disclose that later. You know, this is a person kind of going against what we've heard saying that, no, he was pretty, pretty normal. What do you guys take out of that? I mean, we take, BTK's family thought he was normal. It's true. not what he did. I mean, I mean, I mean, Ted Bunny also, right? Yeah. Uh, it only happened, it only like went down the drain after he was already part of college and whatnot. But uh, from what we, from what I understand, you know, you know, serial killers or whatnot. They have, um, like we were saying earlier, no remorse, no sympathy, no no conscience. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why they can go and do these kind of things. And not only that, but like you see them when they get caught, that's the only time they feel bad. You know, then they get up there and whenever they want to um, address the, the court, they're just saying what people want to hear, you know. So, yeah. Was it manipulated? So, yeah. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. And now I agree. You know, you made a, you guys made excellent points. You know, there were some other folks that um, appeared to be normal, uh, but this is a counselor. This is somebody who is you know, trained to look for those type of things, right? What does that say about Koberger if he did do this, that he was able to manipulate this lady into there was no red flags with him? Okay. Well, you said she's a counselor, right? At, what was it high school? Was it? Right. Uh, okay. Let me 
Kemper, um, the Koei killer. Um, he got arrested for, you know, uh, taking the lives of his grandma and grandpa, right? And ended up in a psychiatric ward for, mm-hmm. it was like, I think it was like 13 or 14. So I'm not really sure. But he was supposed to get out at 18, depending on how he, the evaluation was with the, you know, the experts right there. This uh, psychiatrist and whatnot. I mean, mm-hmm. he got out yeah. and ended up, all the counselors, the psych, like psychiatrists and everybody, and then, and, and made him believe that he was reformed and he was let out. And by doing that, um, eight other, he had eight other victims, eight or nine more victims, you know? Wow. So gonna, and this is like, you know, you're talking about experts and, and, you know, trying to evaluate a person that has already taken the lives of two other people. And not, not only that, but like relatives, right? Of his, of his. Yeah. And like, you got to look at it like that and then look at a counselor from high school too. And I, I doubt that she has the same training or the same knowledge as an expert on, <laughs> on the psych, uh, psych ward. You know what I mean? Touche, touche. That is, that is a fair point. That is a fair point. Uh, an excellent point. Let's uh, let's continue this. He stood out in the fact that he was very intelligent. He was very intellectual. He would delve into topics that are not on a shallow level. The truth of the matter is there were no red flags. He had very good grades. He seemed uh, very focused, academically motivated, and uh, would not give a school counselor any reason for concern. Despite the persona Koberger's teachers see, his online posts continue. I always feel as if I am not there, completely depersonalized. Easy thoughts. I feel like nothing has a point to it. When I get home, I am mean to my family. I can say and do whatever I want with little remorse. Everyone hates me. Pretty much, I am an asshole. You know, this is his words as a teenager. I don't know. I mean, maybe could could it be puberty? Could it be uh, some kind of phase he's going through that during that time? Or do you guys think that this is something obviously with the outcome of what's going on? I think we would if it was him, uh, we would say that it, it a lot of things didn't change. What, what do you what are y'all's I mean, opinions on this? I know. I mean, I'll be honest to 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 read what he's uh, putting out there. You know, it's kind of like I could, I could see that, you know, I've been I think everybody has been through some sort of, uh, I guess, in your life that. That you kind of feel like nobody cares and stuff, you know. You feel like you know, kind of depressed. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I know I have, you know, Zoloft, but <laughs> um, like, no sponsorship, no sponsorship, mm-hmm. please. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I can totally see it, man. I mean, I, I recently, honestly, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, like, I, I'm not the kind of guy that um, that uh, that was good with my words, obviously, I should, I should know that. But like emotions and stuff like that. So like now I'm I'm sl- slowly starting to like open up a little bit more because before I was really um you know I kept to myself I would wasn't out there you know trying to be out there and stuff. But now I I have I'm desensitized. You know what I mean? Like I can I can watch whatever I want. I didn't talk about yeah. movies. You know, um, I had no guilty conscience about a lot of stuff that I've done. You know. Yeah, um, and now it's like everything that comes back, and now so I start slowly seeing the people that I've heard and stuff and whatnot. So like I can I can I can see what what he's talking about. And so you know, I mean, it changed for you. So there's a possibility that it could have changed for him. You know, this was when he was I think in high school. So yeah. we got to take that with a grain of salt. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm intelligent, but I feel the opposite. I say things I don't mean. During high school, he says he wants to be an army ranger and seeks out a special program in addition to his regular classes at the Monroe Career and Technical Institute. I remember working with his family and him to fill out the application. He was enrolling in the protective services program and he was very enthusiastic. So protective services prepare students for a career in law enforcement, EMT, things like that. Police Academy Junior, putting on pretend handcuffs. They police the building just as though they would officers on patrol. Tanya Carmela Beers, a former administrator at the tech school. Enrollment is very competitive. Protective services is one of the most after programs. The cap is limited at 25. So that means for the four school districts in Monroe County, only 25 students could get in. He needed to have good grades. He needed to have good attendance. He needed to have a discipline record that was non-existent. We look at all the information that we can get about them because they are being given inside information about how police handle their business. So he passed all the uh, requirements to be put into this law program uh, that was very selective, apparently. 
you know, you had that there was only 25 students out of four districts selected. And what they did was basically dress like a police officer and wear a uh, security for the high school, you know, during the halls and stuff like hall monitors. I don't know. I think that there's nothing, nothing there yet. Nothing there yet. What, you know, um, but what happens there, I think, is going to be interesting. Mm -hmm. So let's continue. You know, I just had to break it up for the copyright reasons. Let's uh, continue to hear this. Getting in can be tricky, but he was able to get into the program and, and he met all of those standards. To this day, Carmela Beers and Yozwiak can't picture Koberger in the halls. I can actually see Brian in my mind. I can see him walking because he's very tall. I see him in his protective services uniform. I remember him dressed that way, patrolling the school with other students he carried the uniform very very well and um, you could tell that it was some, it was a real um, a real sense of pride for him to be doing that this was something he was always interested in and something that he had always studied and it was something that he had been looking at um, throughout even younger years he was very intrigued about the law and how he wanted to go into that field he just wanted to help people seeking a career in law enforcement or criminal justice you know most people go into that because they, they want to make a difference and then there are those that you know it's fantasy material for them dr chris mohandi is a forensic psychologist while there's no proof that we know of that Koberger studies are actually fantasy material for him mohandi is an expert in analyzing accused killers he is not connected to this case Mohandi believes some people who study the law are hiding more sinister motivations. The things they're reading about are stimulating, but not in the right way. It's not the excitement of learning how you can serve your community better. It's the excitement of the offenses that they're learning about um, that becomes stimulating to them. Also because the power of the role in that area, their insatiable need for power over others. When I think about so basically what they're saying is that, um, or from what I understand, is that Koberger was put in a couple of positions of authority. And when he was placed in those positions of authority, it didn't work out very well because he seems to be following this path of you know, um, those that some study law enforcement for other reasons than helping people. Uh, do you guys see that in this? I mean, you got to take out the outcome out of this because at the end of the day, mm -hmm. he's innocent until proven guilty. And, um, you know, we don't know for sure if if he actually did it. We haven't seen all the evidence. Yeah. What do you think, Jaime? You know, first off, first off, uh, that lady looks like she's wearing the hat. So that's pretty funny on the screen. That's <laughs> <laughs> just funny. Uh, what's it called? But, you know, like, if we take out what, like, the outcome, right, at the end of the day, like, what happened in Idaho, yeah. you see it, you see it. They see that this he's taking a little bit too much of a uh, a power trip, almost like you like you say, right? Usually, it never ends in a good way when they they feel like they have so much authority over someone else, you know? Yeah, and I, I've seen it personally, you know. I've seen mm -hmm. it, you know. I've seen it. I've heard about it. I, you know, you, we've all seen it with other officers that get in trouble or things like that, and and um in in the media, they just can't handle it right and they go a little bit overboard or whatever get that power trip as you mentioned it, it, it could be common but i don't think that it's something that automatically leads to you know nefar nefarious reasons you know i knew that there was you know folks in law enforcement that think that they're the law and all authority and all that stuff and that doesn't translate to what Koberger did you know what I'm saying? About how he took the program seriously. He was just very much needed to be in charge of everything. Like another student would watch the students for the day, be in charge of them as, as their patrol officer, if you will. He liked it when the other students answered to him. But it was to the nth degree. It was a little much. At that time, it seemed like he was just really zealous. But then when I think back about it, all of those things, knowing what I know now, are flags. Flags that Carmela Beers and Bielis admit they only began to notice after Koberger's arrest. Sometimes people snap, and you never know who's gonna snap or why they snap. One possible reason? There are a number of ways people become arrogant and condescending. And one trajectory is a person who's been bullied, been made fun of, who may have had issues with their own body image. You're gonna have your guy, like a noticeably heavier guy. You could see it, you know? It wasn't like he was you know, just a little chubby, he was pretty, pretty up there. Some friends describe Koberger as a quote, overweight outcast socially awkward they say he didn't really fit in a classmate also recalls koberger's rocky relationship with women saying koberger couldn't take a hint when he's rejected leading girls to bully him and call him a creep 
once or twice. He wanted to hang out with girls. Like, oh, we should call this girl to hang out. We should call this girl to hang out. And they'd always be busy or something. Men who are frustrated, feel like they've been mistreated by women, view women as objects, have hostile, narrow-minded, rigid, intolerant views towards those women. That is Dr. Mahande's description of an incel. Do you guys think that this was an, or Brian Koberger is an incel or motivated by, you know, being an incel? Start off with you, Jaime. I don't, I don't think so, man. I really don't. Uh, if, if he was, he wouldn't even be trying in the first place, right? Yeah. I mean, well, an incel is a person who, who is like a virgin, but isn't like wanting to be. And so he's rejected by women, even though he attempts to, you know, um, attempts to go out with them, I guess. But the, their constant rejection leads them to do crazy crap. You know, I don't see that as the motive here because <clears throat> that tells me that there's like a personal attack towards one of the victims. And I know that there's one victim that may have had more wounds than the others or more severe wounds, but I don't think that that was necessarily the, the motive here. We discussed, you know, in our last couple of shows and, and we talked about our theory and we said that our thoughts were that he was tired of being rejected from law enforcement school and maybe possibly women. But I don't think it was specifically these girls. I think he knew that the ins and outs of how law enforcement would investigate him and try to plan the perfect, you know, crime. And he wanted to, in my opinion, speculation, you know, have the most or the biggest unsolved crime and embarrass local law enforcement because they didn't select him. You know, the school there was, you know, basically kicking him out as a TA. So he wasn't accepted in that area. He just came from, you know, DeSales University, where he graduated with his master's degree, was one of two students who was recommended for the PhD program. You know, things started going bad. And like we said before, reports out there that he purchased a, a, a K-Barn style knife or K-Barn knife from Amazon in April of 2022, which is the same month or that's the same month where he's given a... um and that's where we see the email between him and the Pullman uh, police chief where they're he's thanking them for taking the time to visit with him, referencing a internship position. And since he's applying in the fall, we can say that he didn't get it in the spring. I don't think there's a coincidence that that around that time he buys a knife. I think that that started uh, the process, in my opinion. What do you got? What do you think, Big Blue? Yeah, but the first part <clears throat> for the question about if he's an intel. I don't think he was. Hmm. Um, I think he is. Um, like the disclaimer says, he's innocent, though proven guilty. Because that's been seen in the chat thing. You know why we think he's guilty. We don't think he's guilty. He's, I mean, like I'm more about seventy percent heading that way because of the evidence against him. I I go back and forth. Um, I don't think he's innocent in my opinion because of what they found on him and what he's done. When it comes to Brian Koberger purchasing, you know, that knife around the time that we think that he gets, you know, dropped tells me some things, but I, I don't think he was necessarily an incel, but we just recently had on, on our Wednesday night, a call in from one of Brian Koberger's uh, classmates from that HVAC class that he attended in high school. And we, we, had, he talked to Brian Koberger. He was an acquaintance. He wouldn't say he was like a friend of his, uh, but he knew him. Uh, he talked to him in class when they were in group projects, and he stated that he never talked about girls. There was never an indication or a time where they thought that or he thought he had a girlfriend or any of those type of things. He never talked about a specific girl he may have been interested in or not. And so I don't know. It, it's a little bit confusing because there's a lot of stories that indicate that he's a creep. He's you know a weirdo can't trust him with girls and then you have some other stories that say um, you know he's a good guy we'll see we'll see there there is a documented history of certain things that come out in this podcast and i think it'll kind of let us know which one it is let's continue short for involuntary celibate they are dismissive of women as you know whole human beings it's like on the one hand i hate you but on the other hand i want to possess you as an object and how dare you reject me there's no evidence that Brian Kohlberger is, was an incel, but an individual doesn't have to be an incel to be sympathetic to the ideas and the viewpoint of incels. Once known as being bright, eager, with the world at his fingertips, things take a turn for Kohlberger while he's in the protective services program. His administrator shares information on camera with us for the very first time. There had been one or two incidents that had occurred that I had dealt with concerning him. For Brian, um, 
the situations subtle. They, they weren't really um, bold situations, but they rose to the degree as they began to, to mount. Bound by a student confidentiality law, Carmela Beers cannot reveal exact details of the quote incidents, but she does disclose they are related to female students. You might not think necessarily of a female in protective services, but that was something that we recruited for. Some of the issues that arose were based on having a mixed population in that classroom. One of those incidents ultimately resulted in him being removed from that program. She says Koberger. Brian Koberger was removed and it is speculated because of some kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say altercation, but some sort of incident, a female student. Um, we read in another article about that incident and it was actually referencing, I guess, this Camilla Beers lady who had talked to another news media and she had stated that it wasn't violent or uh, aggressive or things of that nature. What do you guys think? It could have been which got him barred from the program, kicked out and sent to the HVAC program. Uh, we'll start off with you, Big Blue. I think uh, in my theory is that he seems like the person probably doesn't like being told what to do by a woman. If they put her in charge for the day or something in the class, uh, he probably didn't like it. Hmm. So that to me could that happens a lot. Maybe he made a statement. Like, yeah. I don't need to listen to you or something. Or you're beneath Maybe. me. But is that enough to kick him out? Uh, not enough. But if it happens more than once or an ongoing situation, somebody's got to get booted from the program. And it depends who has the attitude. And at that time, remember, he was having an attitude. He was, he was no, no, no. This, is, this, was in, this was in high school. Yeah, that's when he started doing kickboxing because of his anger issues. Um. No, I don't think it was because he had any anger issues. I don't think that ever came out that he had anger issues. I think he was doing the kickboxing as a form of trying to lose weight. I don't. I don't think there's that had anything to do with it. We'll start this. Oh, um, continue this. First kicked out of protective services, the program he works so diligently to get into in the first place. The school transfers him into the HVAC program, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. This program has no female students. I think that's a. That's a big indication or a big flag that he was moved from a program and moved to another one because they don't have female students. What do you think about that? I, I think so, because even when he was a TA, remember, they talk about the other students kind of like, I guess, trying to keep him from one of the female students there, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. What do you think, Jaime? Do you think that there's a, a pattern here being developed? I think so. I think maybe he was over pursuing a female student and that wasn't. That wasn't going to you know, fly with her, I guess. Yeah. What we know so far is that he's gotten kicked out. Uh, well, he, I think he got fired, right, or released from his job as like a, a fish cutter, right? So he gets released there, fired there. He's been cut from the law enforcement program. He's been released there. He was fired also as a TA, right? He, he didn't get into the, the intern police departments, probably because of his background. I don't know. I think there's a pattern developing. Let's continue. We were also a little bit more comfortable knowing that any possible continuation of, of negative behaviors would not occur in a situation um, where there were no females. It was concerning because there was such a dichotomy between what he presented um, academically and what he was living in an emotional, social aspect of his life. This dichotomy is evident in Koeberger's reported online posts. I am stuck in the depths of my mind where I have to constantly battle my demons. I might spiral out of control and lose myself in the void. I felt like a criminal, but where was my record? I am blank. I have no opinion. I have no emotion. I have nothing. Can you relate? Koberger's friend, Jack Bayless, recalls an extreme change in his once shy friend. He lost a lot of weight, like really fast, but I feel like he was more confident in himself. I think he had to have vocalized his confidence, like, you know, now I'm, you know, lost his weight, I'm probably more attractive. Koberger loses 130 pounds by his senior year of high school. He did it by running and boxing every single day. Koberger also writes about his transformation in the same online posts revealed by True Crime podcasters and the New York Times. I used to be this healthy blonde haired boy with blue eyes. And in a few years, I have darker hair and darker eyes, half the body weight. The bullying, the body image issues, those become the seeds from which a need to create a false self that is superior to others emerges. 
So, you know, based on what they're saying, I think that there may have been, like Blue stated, um, they don't want to put him in a, a situation where there's females around. Uh, they put him in the HVAC place. I think I think Blue's spot on. You know, it seems like he's having some problems, though, everywhere he goes. Yeah, no, for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's been reported, so I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's a, like a authority issue or um, maybe at that point he could have been more of an incel and that I mean, he, those things were occurring. Right. Well, he was... He lost over 130 pounds and he was doing the boxing thing. If he was bullied and then he gets into a position of authority somewhat, you know, he's wearing a uniform, being able to walk around, you know, the campus as a form of some sort of authority. I can see how that can, you know, get to a person's head. You know what I'm saying? Let's uh, let's continue this. Others emerges. Friends claim Koberger develops anger issues, even putting one friend in a headlock, leading that friend to cut ties. Bella says he only sees that side when Koberger's drinking. When he get drunk, he get kind of aggressive, kind of rowdy. There's one instance where he was trying to drive somewhere and we were we had to take his keys and hide them. So when I say aggressive, I mean, we had to like physically like move him from the keys and prevent him from getting his keys. You know, I I don't think that's anything too crazy. We've all had a friend who drank too much and, you know, while they were drinking, they weren't in the right mindset and mm-hmm. wouldn't, you know, and you had to physically take their keys away from them. I, I don't think that those people are necessarily um, evil or anything. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that's a characteristic or a check yeah, mark. No. But. Yeah, I agree. I mean, everybody's been through that. Taking yeah. those keys away from those overly... Um, hydrated people like we've had yeah. to take the keys from blue a couple of times in high school it was high school so that was a good time he was riding <laughs> a bike so i just took the seat <laughs> he still left on it all right let's go friends allege alcohol use turns to drug abuse and Koberger gets hooked on heroin he and bayless lose touch he started kind of uh, branching out from the original group to hang out the different group that group they did some sketchy drugs Rich Pasca is a former acquaintance of Koberger. He tells Fox the two were deep into an addiction. I met him through some friends and they told me that he was a little weird and he was a little socially awkward, I guess you could say. Um, But he wasn't a bad guy. I got six years clean now. I work in treatment and everything, but back then I was using and so that's how I know for a fact he was using. I've got high with him a couple times. Teachers say heroin use is a major problem in that area. At the same time, Koberger's alleged heroin addiction is at its height. His troubles at the tech school continue. He was in HVAC for the rest of, of his time at the Career and Technical Institute and other issues arose that he decided to leave the school altogether um, and not complete his 12th grade year there. After leaving the program, Koberger finishes his senior year of Pleasant Valley High online. Is that another flag for you guys? Another thing that he doesn't get to finish correctly. He's getting basically, in my opinion, sounds like it's getting like he's kicked out of school. What do you guys think? Yeah, like, like you were saying, like he, he can't finish or he gets uh, taken off of certain things because either his attitude or his, um, his creepiness, I guess you could say. Or is uh, almost like a narcissist, right? Yeah, to a certain extent, I, I think you can see that. You know, I just think that there's a bit of a pattern being developed here of him not yeah. finishing things because of his behavior. You know, a lot of people are saying that, you know, they wouldn't think that a guy like Brian Koberger would have committed, you know, this crime. But when you kind of look at into who he is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's still just, it's still, you know, rings the same to me. What about you, Big Blue? What do you think? Uh, I think one thing that's weird is that he didn't like go back to a regular school, but I think he was going through something. Maybe, maybe at that time they said he was doing some drugs, so maybe he just wasn't uh, even focusing on school, like attending. Uh, Mm -hmm. But he can still do the work real quick at home and just do whatever he wanted. I think the hard part is like the HVAC program. It's it's a little difficult to have some friends go through, and I, I would sometimes see the books that they would do. It's Sometimes it's a little bit of math and stuff, but he's a smart guy, so you should get that part. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was a physical concept, or maybe it was just that you know he was doing something else, distracting yeah. him from, from going to class. All right, let's continue this. Graduates and reportedly gets help for his addiction. I know he was in and out of rehab a couple of times. Around that time, Koberger reportedly arrested for stealing and selling his sister's iPhone after his own father calls police. He is charged with misdemeanor theft, but does not go to jail, and his record is wiped 
clean. Somehow, Koberger kicks his heroin habit and begins to study psychology at community college. Even though some say he's got a rocky past with his former school district, he applies as a part-time security guard at his former high school. I do know he was. What do you think about that? That the high school that kicked him out of the law enforcement program hired him back as a security guard. Start off with you, Blue. What are your opinion on that? Uh, my opinion is that they didn't even do a proper background check, man. Somebody that had so many issues with students and, and there's, you're going to allow him to be a security guard there? They, there was um, there was some lack in the background checks or something. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Jaime? It's weird. It's, yeah, that's weird, man. I don't know if they were having so much problems and stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, Why yeah. Would they? Why would they hire? I mean, they they not only kicked him out of that program, but they essentially kicked him out of school after that. And so, like, all right, you know, maybe they thought he matured uh, after mm-hmm. drug. You know, after drug abuse, that matured him up a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. He, he it didn't sound like he was very. It was. We'll see. Let's, do you guys think that it's going to end on a happy note based on his uh, pattern? Do you think his security gig ends on a happy note? Negative. All right. Well, let's find out. You know, always issue in law enforcement. That's usually kind of a um, a dip your toes in the water kind of experience. Is being a security guard for somewhere where you don't have to have that police training. While on the job, Koberger reportedly helps a fellow security guard save the life of a hall monitor struggling to breathe. Koberger's life seemingly takes a turn for the better. Like most college students, he reportedly decides to put himself out there in the dating world. But the trends from high school go on. Only after his arrest, a woman named Haley Willette comes forward. She says she meets him through Tinder during his early college years and that he's very pushy and a stage five clinger. Willette says Koberger tells her she has good birthing hips. I have to stop and say the good birthing hips from a movie called Dark Shadows uh, starring Johnny Depp. Uh, go, go, you know, after the show, just you can search it on YouTube. Now, I'm going to call a spade a spade. You know, that, in my opinion, wasn't anything. Watched a movie with him. They were going to watch another movie. She got, she was socially awkward, freaked out, and went to pretend that she was throwing up. And so he left. And then he said the good birthing hips. I wouldn't be surprised that the movie they were seeing or watching was uh, Dark Shadows or whatever it's called. And so, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I just wanted to stop that to say, you know, just to be fair, you know what I'm saying? We're not biased here. We're not pushing one way or another. Uh, if we see, see we, we, we say it twice because it's so nice. Um, if we see something uh, that is uh, not correct or right, one way or the other, we're going to stop and point it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And blue's a five stage cleaner. <laughs> I didn't know there was more stages. Somebody told me I have good birthing hips too. <laughs> uh, what's it called? Hashtag, hashtag, I always believe Johnny Depp. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's watch this. Oh, no, I'm going to have to start this all over again. 1425. It's because I went backwards. It's Blue. It, it heard um, Blue saying about good birthing hips. And he got too excited. It was like, what's going on? Your computer started sweating. <laughs> Wait, how many stages are of clingers? I, I guess there's five. I mean, I would assume. Yeah, because like if it was the 10 stages, then five's not that bad. Yeah, that's only halfway there. I mean, that's like, you know, they call you every other day. That's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> like, hey, you know, sometimes I want to hear his voice. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's do this. College years and that he's very pushy and a stage five clinger. Well, that says Koberger tells her she has good birthing hips. This behavior, again, reminds Dr. Mohandi of an incel themselves a lot of them are socially awkward they're going to use the dating apps they may misrepresent themselves you know sort of catfish if you will but when it comes down to relating on an emotional true connection it's going to fall short after graduating community college Koberger moves on to DeSales University and continues to study psychology reconnecting with his childhood friend to me personally he really opened up more in his later college years we're talking more than we taught in high school. He called me fairly often. Bella shares private messages from around this time. He goes and says, I like forensic psychology and studying criminals. I don't care about the money. And he's saying, I would assist in the capture of a violent criminal for sure, but getting a job like that is difficult. He don't care about the money. He wants to assist in capturing a violent criminal, but getting a job like that is difficult. 
puts thanks man with a heart. Yeah, that's from Brian Cover. He has actually the he kept his yeah. he kept his text messages. What are the chances that you have the same phone and text messages from freaking twenty fourteen or twenty twenty or whenever he was into sales? Yeah, that was uh, a long time ago. That's crazy. I I, I don't yeah. think I ever said y'all heart. I don't think so either. You, I don't that's know why you don't. Right now. Oh man, that is kind of weird. Right, let's see. Let's continue this. But he says that he wants to, you know, be capturing violent criminals. Crime he's accused of. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't a heart. That was an eggplant. <laughs> so <laughs> here he says, I'm thinking more along the line of dealing with high profile offenders. What did I say? I thought his motive was was to create the biggest high profile case that was unsolved. He's talking about capturing a high profile offender that's a violent offender. Uh, I wonder assist and maybe even finding or arresting serial killers or you know crimes of that type that are mm-hmm. up there that are grabbing the nation's um, attention. Yeah, and like we said, when it comes to the motive and why Brian Koberger did this. We thought that if he was trying to commit a perfect crime or get away with this crime, that Land Rover would be a deterrent. The fact that it wasn't leads me to believe one or two things, right? That A, he, it was a necessity. It had to be that night. No other exits or butts. doesn't matter who's there. Or B, it was never about the victims. And it was about having multiple victims to create a higher profile case. The more victims you have, the higher likely that you're going to get news media attention. And then you attack a sorority, off-campus sorority house because they're young, attractive females. That's definitely going to tend to attract news media across the board you know that's what we thought was the possible motive and if he's talking about those type of things i mean come on now it doesn't take it's not it doesn't take a rocket science to connect these dots right what, what would you think if he would have done it at a frat house would they be this much public publicity and publication i think so man if you have a slaughter like this unless it's like I don't know the Texas border then this doesn't get much you know, attention but if you have a slaughter like this and a small community where it's not expected and the uh, victims are young I, I think that it would have probably gained the same amount of attention yeah I think, think, think he took the easy way out by going to a sorority instead of a, a frat house but it was off campus living so I don't think it really was a sorority because I think sororities you can't have guys well, living with you right and and here's the thing if, if he did follow these girls or stalk these girls or do those type of things I think he would have known that the occupants of the house were female now, I think that's one of the reasons why he chose that house. You know, I've said it multiple times. He went and he looked for the house with the biggest party who's the primary residence or female. That would have created a couple of things, a couple of advantages for him. One, he could utilize wearing common shoes by that are commonly worn by, you know, uh, college age students, the, the vans, because you can expect there's going to be that shoe pattern by both male and female all around that house and inside that house because of the uh, amount of college age um, people that are going to that house. You know, the night before the incident, 150 people there. So you have a lot of people going in and out. That's a lot of DNA being left behind, more probable cause, more work for law enforcement to have to do. So, you know, when they say that the house could have been the target, I think that's what they mean. That's the reason why the house was the target, not necessarily any of the individual victims. Yeah. you know, I think that if he did create more severe injuries on one, that was probably staged, you know, so that way it would look a certain way. Like yeah. To throw, throw off law enforcement. Exactly. Make them think that it's a personal thing. Look at a boyfriend. Look at an ex. Look at a uh, uh, the roommates. Look at somebody that lives close by. Whoever discovers the bodies in the morning. Not look at him. You know what I'm saying? All right, let's continue this. High profile offenders. In the messages, Koberger also opens up about the root of his teenage heroin addiction. I don't really use when I was in a deep suicidal state. And he says, I've been pressed for so long that I've developed a weird sense of meaning. And he says, I've been pressed since I was five. One of the main topics of discussion, women. So the thing we talk about a lot, the dating scene, uh, it just got kind of just really hard. But he was just having a time, you know, uh, getting ghosted a lot. Um, talking to a girl and then, not and then wondering, oh, why didn't she text back ever? And they'd also be like, yeah, I, I was talking to this girl and one of this girl was cute and I thought we hit it off and we didn't, I guess. So you'd vent about stuff like that to me. I think mean, he just felt frustrated is just the, the biggest word. Frustrated, a feeling Dr. Chris Mahandi believes is common for incels. So there's a sense of entitlement that goes with this community of men, some who actually commiserate 
you know, in their hatred of women, in their frustrations with not being able to obtain their desired, idealized, you know, woman as a sexual object. The owner of a brewery comes forward and recalls Koberger making creepy comments towards female staff and customers. Others, like Koberger's former classmate, Josh Ferraro, have positive memories. I mean, he was a really nice guy. The guy that I went to college with, that dude was nice. My first impression of him was, he's a little odd, but he's a nice guy. You know, um, does not stand out, but, you know, is a, is a, he blended in. Like, he was a pretty normal guy. Koberger graduates undergrad and continues at sales to get a master's in criminal justice. He dives deep into research, seeking out ex-cons for a project, then posting a survey with questions like, before making your move, how did you approach the victim or target? And after committing the crime, what were you thinking and feeling? While getting his master's, Koberger has one final get-together with his childhood friend. The last time I saw Brian, he was looking really good. It looked like he kicked his hair around and he looked healthy. That day, we went into the woods. We have a lot of trees that you used to kind of hide behind. And we just shot airsoft guns um, at each other and just kind of ran around the woods with airsoft guns. When I left him that day, I felt probably more at ease because the last time I talked to him, we'd been having problems. It looked like those problems had uh, subsided. He was calm. He's a collected, confident man. Nothing seemed terribly off. Nothing seems terribly off, but trouble is brewing. After nearly five years on the job, Koberger resigns as the part-time security guard. His resignation letter reads, I understand that if I do not resign, I have a right to a school board hearing to determine if I should be dismissed from employment with the school district. All right, here it is. So apparently another another job doesn't go well for Koberger. You know, it seems like he can hide those types of problems. The, the student that was his classmate thought he was a nice guy his friend wasn't aware of the problems that he was going on in in you know at as a security guard but you know and he doesn't get fired but this is saying i understand that if i do not resign i have the right uh, i have a right to a school board hearing to determine if i should be dismissed from employment with the school district that means that uh, he was about to get fired it was like you get fired yeah. or we're going to i mean you're going to quit or you're going to get fired yeah Hold on. You give him an ultimatum. Pretty much, pretty much. And and he chose the resignation so that it wouldn't affect his, you know, I, in my opinion, it wouldn't affect his, his work history. Yeah, exactly. I think that would have been detrimental, uh, especially trying to pursue a law enforcement career. Um, that wouldn't look good yeah. on his application. Yeah, yeah. Because it wouldn't look good saying, oh, I got fired from a security job. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Mitch Girl says, uh, BK's professor, Michelle Bolgers, helped him with the survey project. I, I think I heard that, too. But she also she also um, mentioned that Koberger was brilliant and one of her best students, but that she really didn't know him because all of their communication was through Zoom as it was uh, the time of the pandemic. I don't know. Well, this here says that he got fired from this job. How many businesses keep these records? Uh, well, with the school. Yeah. Federal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the school board and anything with, you know, I, I think that maybe perhaps the high school stuff isn't a record per se. I think they're going based off of the testimony or not the testimony, but the statements from the persons that were working in uh, positions that would know about Brian Koberger and the situations that he was going through. You know what I mean? Yeah, the um, most businesses do keep records. You kind of have to for tax purposes reasons. You know, they can audit you back like seven years. You need to keep a lot of information for quite a bit of time. And Koberg is only 28 years old. I'm not surprised that they have a lot of his records. But fired from the, um, you know, cutting fish, released from the uh, the program at the high school that was in law enforcement, basically forced to resign from the security job. And then you also have the um, the TA job that we're aware of. Right. Every situation that he's been a part of, he's been released or terminated based on what we would only can assume is probably some sort of behavior. Let's continue. The reasons behind Koberger's resignation remain unclear. While finishing his studies at DeSales, Koberger, now 28, reportedly buys a K-bar knife and a sheath on Amazon. Months later, he moves cross-country to Pullman, Washington to get his Ph.D. in criminal justice from Washington State University. 20 minutes down the road, 
from University of Idaho. Koberger applies for an internship with the Pullman Police Department. In his application, he expresses an interest in helping cops, quote, better collect and analyze technological data in public safety operations. He doesn't get the job, but he is hired as a teaching assistant. We know now that he didn't get the job in the fall as well. Now, we can probably assume that the reasons why he didn't get the job uh, the first time in the spring, it could have been the reasons, you know, going uh, as far as why he was getting terminated or forced to resign as mm -hmm. a school security guard. You know, they probably told him something to the effect like, hey, uh, you know, I don't, we understand that there was an issue there. Let's have you come here for a semester. And if, you know, there's no problems, then, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it the following semester. There's documented problems that he had with his professor and other students uh, throughout the uh, early part of the semester. So I'm not surprised that he wasn't selected. What do you think? No, it, it, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, going back and, and still the problems he's been having, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and going back a little bit farther back, but, you know, with the rejection kind of thing. You know, yeah. Um, a lot of people can only take so much rejection and then they lash out. You know what I mean? Like the guy said, people snap. Maybe that, that could have been uh, a trigger for him. You know, the last, like, you know what? Like he's tired of the rejection and he wants to lash out about it. Uh, it definitely could be it. You know, like you said, everybody has a boiling point. Everybody has a, a part where they, they snap, I guess. Some people can handle it. Some people can't, right? When they get to that point. And in this situation, it, it definitely seems like he couldn't. Uh, if BK knows how they would investigate him, why buy a K-Bar knife on Amazon? Do, we, do you think he just never thought about that, especially if he was planning it? Well, I don't think he intended on leaving the knife sheath behind. And because of that, I don't think they also intended for him to be investigated at all. I think he thought, and honestly, had he not left the knife sheath behind, I think he would have been, uh, he'd still be a free man. Like I said, I don't think he was planning on leaving the knife sheath behind and that they would ever find go that far into his background. But it is kind of weird that there is some sort of paper trail for that item. But then again, like, you know, we've asked forensic experts, about, you know, if you can tell what kind of knife it is and it's not 100 percent. Right. You know, based on the wounds. I don't know. All right, let's let's finish this out. He has a number of issues on campus. As a student, it's claimed he's pushy, known for sitting front and center, quickly offering opinions, and regularly battling with female professors. As we look at Brian Kohlberger, we start to learn about him as a person who is described by others as arrogant, having haughty attitudes, and that's certainly uh, the, the a personality structure that is consistent with one who might not look at others, including women, as his equal. And off campus, he has issues as well. Allegedly sneaking into a female friend's apartment and moving her furniture around and having this exchange with a female police officer who pulls him over. I think you know why I stopped you. You're in the red light. What actually happened was I was stuck in the middle of the intersection. Yeah, so I was, I was behind you the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. But in that situation, the best thing to do then would be back up and not. I've... You're just supposed to wait behind the the white line drivers do it all the time um but it never even occurred to me that that was actually something wrong i'm just curious about the law i don't mean to oh no yeah i can yeah, find it for you yeah see i didn't think there was anything bad about that stop to be honest with you no i thought that that stop was just you know he was polite he had questions he wanted to understand what he did wrong and how to uh, not do that again in the in the future so that he wouldn't violate the law I never thought it was inappropriate or, or anything yeah. like that. No, so. no, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I think I think by him asking more questions and trying to be more interested in the fact that what he did and admitted that you know he actually did it, but trying to learn from it was trying to almost like deter deter the officer to not write a ticket, kind of. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, he was asking questions. He was asking the right questions, and that's what I got a warning. Yeah, I mean, he got a warning. You know, if he was being a jerk, I don't think he would have gotten a warning. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. All right, let's, let's do this. He's said to be a very harsh grader. Faculty tells Koberger they're concerned about his behavior after he has an alleged altercation with a professor. That's less than two weeks before Moscow, Idaho is changed forever.
Moscow police have confirmed they found four people dead in this neighborhood just off of King Road, south of the University of Idaho. Kaylee Gonsalves, Madison Mogan, Zana Kernodo, and Ethan Chapin. Police in the school have insisted that this was an isolated crime of passion. In the weeks following the murders, the WSU and University of Idaho campuses on edge with the killer on the loose, but classes continue. Former students say Koberger, a once harsh grader, suddenly starts giving good marks. Yet he's fired from his TA position after only a few months on the job for failing to meet, quote, norms of professional behavior. As Thanksgiving break approaches and Moscow authorities remain tight-lipped about a suspect in the gruesome killings on King Road, Koberger embarks on a father-son road trip from Washington to his hometown in Pennsylvania getting pulled over not once where are you headed well we coming from wsu but twice within the span of just nine minutes <laughs> while four families mourn the loss of their loved ones koberger makes it home for the holidays with his family authorities are quietly monitoring his every move they allegedly watch him clean out his Hyundai Elantra and take family trash to the neighbor's bin in the middle of the night. One of Koberger's own sisters reportedly grows suspicious of her brother's behavior and searches his car for possible evidence. Agents recovered the trash from the Koberger family residence in Pennsylvania to get a family DNA sample. The next day, the Idaho State Lab matched it to the DNA from the knife sheath. In a bed next to one of the victims, a knife sheet. The two samples were related with at least 99.998% certainty. Police make their move. Brian Koberger is in custody, arrested in Pennsylvania this morning. Koberger was arrested without incident and charged with four counts of first-degree murder. I was playing Call of Duty with my friends, and my one friend said, do you hear about those murders? The guy that, that did them lives down the road from me. I'm like, oh, that, that's nuts. Well, I looked up Idaho murders, and... My first thought was, oh my God, that's Brian. That internal battle is like, this is the guy I knew, and this guy cared about him, like, what, what's best for him, but at the same time, what he possibly did is heinous to a level where it's like, it's irredeemable. I heard his name on a news alert, and I immediately was shocked, and I looked at my husband who was driving, and I said, Brian Koberger, he was one of my students and I know his family and sisters very well. Because he had such supportive parents, I was very surprised to hear the accusations that are now wielded against him. Brian was a very good student. He was very serious about what he wanted to do. So hearing that such an egregious crime was committed was very surprising. I started to think about incidents that had occurred. And then I thought, well, that makes sense. Everybody is affected by this teachers, guidance counselors, everyone who has come in contact with him and had some kind of relationship or any of the students at some time are directly affected by this. The parents are people, sisters are people, the family are people. Koberger's family says he's, quote, a caring son and brother. The search warrant for Idaho quadruple murder suspect Brian Koberger's apartment. Police found reportedly a pillow with a reddish brown stain one night. We already know. I don't remember anything about shoes with a diamond pattern soles which match a footprint found yeah i just saw that too i was like what i don't remember seeing that i don't remember seeing that man now i'm questioning everything in this damn podcast but i want to hear if, if that's what they say trait type black glove a possible hair strand uh, and shoes with diamond pattern soles which matches the footprint that was found at the scene judge John did they pick up shoes I don't remember being shoes at his apartment. I don't remember seeing that on the, the inventory thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the ones in PA, I think he had like Nikes or something. Yeah. I don't remember. Unless the Nikes have diamond-shaped pattern. I don't think they do. I don't think they do. Unless. Because the most common, it, obviously, is going to be Vans. Right, right, right. But I don't remember seeing that at all. And and that's, that's confusing. But at the same time. Media know a lot more than what they disclose out there based on the gag order, you know, keeping certain stuff confidential, things of that nature. Right. You know, I mean, we knew a certain stuff based on our conversations with uh, people in the area. And these news media folks were talking with multiple people from the area. And so I can understand that they have a lot more information than what we probably have and haven't disclosed yet. Is it possible they found 
the man's shoes that match or his shoes there that match your footprint and we don't know about it i mean like like we said earlier like Vance is probably one of the biggest uh most common shoe out there so yeah. i mean just because it matched the the pattern doesn't mean they match the the footprint itself right i mean we i have a lot of people we got a lot of people saying that the house was a size nine pk wears a 12 or 13. i never saw what the size was uh, if, if you can send me an email with a link that says that the size i would I would appreciate that. Mikey says his dad wears New Balances. Who had a uh, New Balance on in, at court. No Vans, no Nikes. Right, let's, let's finish this out. On Judge Red Koberger, his rights. Do you understand these rights? Yes. Then the charges. Count one, burglary. Count two, three, four, five, murder in the first degree. Ms. Taylor, is Mr. Koberger prepared to plead to these charges? What are we going to say? Because uh, Mr. Is Did he say five murder in the first degree? Five, but uh, wasn't it like one like burglary or some shit? Yeah, there's a felony burglary and then one, two, three, four, five murders of the first degree. I, think, yeah. I saw to me it kind of sounded like it was kind of edited, so I don't know. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been. And the words are backwards. And if you, <laughs> and if you yeah. play, replay, we'll probably end up losing it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to enter not guilty, please. Each charge just based on the evidence they, they have and all the information that the police have gathered he's looking pretty guilty but bls hopes he's wrong i still hope he's innocent there's still some harvey that you know not my friend you know i don't want my friend to have been the one that committed these crimes it's just it, it's it's kind of rough um thinking that i had someone like that in my house in my life Koberger sits in the Lata county jail just five minutes from the murder scene he maintains his innocence. Dr. Mahande questions any alleged killer's intentions for starting Bible study. Certainly, religion and spirituality is a place for people to find comfort when they're overwhelmed by fear and uncertainty for their future. On the other hand, it can be for sympathy to look good, uh, you know, in the eyes of, you know, a trier of fact in the face of sentencing. As Koberger awaits his fate, his lawyers demand more information from prosecutors about the DNA found at the crime scene of three other unidentified males. They also share Koberger's alibi, claiming he was driving around alone late at night at the time of the killings. I'm hoping that he is innocent as he's claiming to be. Once the facts come out, then I will form an opinion but right now brian is innocent until he's proven guilty if he is guilty what snapped you know there's more to it obviously i took a couple of pieces out um you know and they talked about religion and stuff and brian koberger talking to a, a religious person and you know i didn't think that actually had anything to do with the crime there's nothing he can say or not say about it you know what i mean so I took out some of those type of things, but <clears throat> all in all, uh, it kind of shows a little bit of a pattern here, you know, mm-hmm. where Brian Koberger has, you know, gotten kicked out or fired from almost every job. I'm not sure if there's one that he didn't. I mean, he got shot. He got fired from the um, the fish cutting and then the security guard gig, which came after school and he was doing that for five years. And then the TA position which came right after he got out of the cells and the the security guard stuff was while he was attending the cells as well yeah i don't think he got a job or a position or or any of those type of things especially those of authority uh, you're you're looking at the law enforcement class where he was you know security guard ish you're looking at the um the ta position where he's in charge of other you know students and things like that the comments there are that he had a problem with authority yeah uh, that is and probably anger but, issues. Yeah, I mean, he's been turned down so many times. You know, the lady asked what snapped. Yeah, you know, I, I think, it, you know, it's just so much getting turned down, getting turned down by the, by the police department, the school firing him as a teacher's assistant. Every job he's gotten has led to termination or forced to resign. I don't know. This doesn't seem like, um, like a guy who wouldn't commit this crime, right? You know, yeah. when people say, hey, you know, he was a PhD student. He had his whole life ahead of him this, that, and a third, he wouldn't commit this crime. And then you see his past, not so fast, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, it, the thing that sucks about it is that you don't see them as red flags when they're happening. But yeah. once once the event has happened, it's like, oh, yeah, now it makes sense. You know yeah. I mean? Yeah. And we've, and we've heard some people say that. We've heard some people say that. 
afterwards or like you know and i would have never thought he did it but it kind of makes sense you know we had brie on who was a friend of coburgers as well and yeah. she kind of mentioned the same thing that she talked to a couple of people from the area some people said that they didn't think he could do it or that he did it and then some people said that it makes sense and they didn't know why just that it did it's interesting, but I thought it was a pretty good podcast. Got some information that I didn't know about. You yeah, know, for sure. I'm interested in knowing about this white or these shoes that they got that had the, the Vans toe print. It was it was found in a drop of blood, so you would assume there'd be some sort of DNA on it, yeah. unless he claimed it, of course. Well, no more in court. Do you have any uh, final thoughts or final words for everybody before we uh, close it out? I just want to say thanks, like always. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks, uh, mods, members, you know, subscribers. And we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. We'll be back. And we might do something this weekend. So if you're not subscribed and you're still watching, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, and share, 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 share. We're trying to hit 40K. We'd appreciate your guys' help. We'll see you guys. Yeah. We'll see you guys in uh, probably a couple of days. Peace. Oh, yeah.